was Chadwick Boseman's performance in 42 that really made us take a second look. There is, there is such an honor and dignity to the way that he played Jackie Robinson that we knew we needed for the character of T'Challa, the Prince of Wakanda. Chadwick is an amazing actor and we thought would fit perfectly with the MCU. Black Panther himself, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chadwick Boseman. Chadwick, you know, he has a lot of uh, depth. It was amazing as an audience member to, to, you know, to look into his eyes and see what's going on. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one singer. A lot of the things about the character are also true about Chad. He's very knowledgeable. He's an athlete, you know, a martial artist. He's had a lot of experience playing roles that come with a lot of weight, you know. So I think he has a he has a person, he has a guy, has a lot of has, has a lot of weight to him. I think he brings all of that that stuff to the role. But not to mention that he's incredibly, you know, incredibly gifted as an actor and as a performer, and also as a storyteller in his own right. I am not king of all people. I am king of Wakanda. And it is my responsibility to make sure our people are safe. Because he is so prepared as an actor, and because his character is sort of flawless on set, it forced the other actors who had scenes with him to kind of raise their game and go, okay, this guy is not taking anything for granted. He's really leaving it all out there. So we have to keep up with him. What does it? Chadwick bring to the character. I mean, he's regal and grounded and he brings a gravitas to it. So all of this feeds his T'Challa and uh, I think he wore the crown with dignity. Ibombe! 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 I've known him since I was about like 17, so I've known him for a really long time um, back in New York. He did the work, obviously. You know, I just think he did an incredible job being true to the, to the character. I had a great time with Chadwick. Just warmth and camaraderie came into it, of course, with a great deal of respect for his previous work. So when I looked at him with proud eyes, you know, they were as mother and, and also as, as comrade and colleague and Angela. It is your time to be king. I mean, Chadwick is just a powerhouse. He really is so talented. Every single movie he's made, there's, there's kind of this internal, almost nobility. The Black Panther has been the protector of Wakanda for generations. He's such a soulful actor and um, so professional, so present. He really gives so much to the other person and he's awesome. And his presence on set, I think, makes that kind of raises the stakes a little bit for everybody. Chadwick is a, he's a really smart, interesting, dynamic guy, and I think he was not overwhelmed, but very surprised and somewhat taken aback by the amount of love. It ceased to become just about how well he inhabited the role and all that stuff. It's become part of our culture just as a symbol. This welcome is, is one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced. It's fun to watch just what it means to people. At times, like I, in my head, I'll be like, well, what does this do for the world? Like, actually, what is it? You know, is it actually valuable in, in this climate? And I have to say, yes, it actually is. Not because it, it makes people escape. I think when done right, um, it gives people hope. Hey!
I found that it means a lot. All right. Hello and uh, welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. Hello. Um, what you just heard was audio from Marvel uh, Studios. They released a tribute video to um, the now late Chadwick Boseman, who we lost um, devastatingly at the age of 43 on Friday night. Um, he died of colon cancer um, after a secret battle um, that lasted over three, three to four years. Um, he was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2016. Um, during that battle, he obviously brought us, I mean, many incredible performances. It's, it's truly remarkable um, what he was able to do during that time. I think that's, that's one of the things that is really sticking out to me other than obviously um, shock and awe. Um, so, you know, Kirk, we were going to see, New Mutants on Friday. I pulled into the parking lot, got out of my car, walked to your car, and you hit me with it. I could not have been more floored. I think you were in the same boat. I mean, just shock and horror on your face. This is a, this is something that neither of us could have ever expected. I don't think anyone was expecting, and and the pain, um, and, and the the sadness that you just saw all over, um, really speaks volumes to how bright of a light we really lost on Friday night. So I wanted to, wanted to just ask you sort of, you know, how, how has this been? I mean, we've been sitting with this for, um, four or five days now. Yep. Um, so this is date of recording is Tuesday. So it, it happened on Friday, but yeah, just like fill me in on kind of like what your headspace is and, and, and where we, you know, what you've been through emotionally. Yeah. I feel like I'm, literally in this moment like finally processing sadness yeah um because when it first happened and i was in my car and i saw you walking up and i and i saw the news broke as you were walking to my car and i was like please please tell me this is a a fake a fake ad please tell me that this is wrong you know i was reaching out to you to tell you this but i was like no this can't be real we talk about he was secretly battling this cancer for three to four years Black Panther debuted in 2018, mm-hmm. so he 100% was in full force, newly diagnosed with it at that point. To to understand that part of him, that secret that he was hiding and fighting through because he knew the magnitude of what could be, yeah, for this for specifically for his Black Panther role, is incredible. Yeah, um, absolutely. Listening to the the memorial video heart-wrenching um like i like tears keep like kind of welling up in my eyes and i'm like fighting them back and you know i i just can't i can't fathom why this happened to this man at this time because he seemed like a perfectly placed actor entertainer human activist for something that uh, socially is just an an awful awful time right Mm. now Mm mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you bring up a good point, which is Chadwick Boseman as a man and Chadwick Boseman as an actor are two very similar people. He was philanthropic. He was giving. He was, you know, I, I watched a video of him in a children's hospital while he's battling cancer. You know what I mean? He's he's visiting kids um, 
And uh, I, I just can't imagine, you know, to, to, to still have such generosity and all the while you're going through this secret battle. But he knew that this was bigger than him, and he knew that the roles that he played are so impactful and that um, particularly young black children will grow up seeing Chadwick Boseman as a hero and a role model, um, whether it be playing Jackie Robinson, whether it be playing Thurgood Marshall, James, James Brown. Brown, or King T'Challa. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, those roles, those are huge. And, and I think it's something that, um, it's, it's something that is just, not, not a normal actor takes on those roles. There's a certain weight that comes with that that I think some people would shy away from. But you watch Chadwick Boseman play these roles. I mean, you and I have seen these movies. Mm -hmm. um, he, he takes it so seriously, and he yeah. understands the weight. And I think that's what they were sort of speaking to in that tribute video. He handled it with such poise and such regality. You know, to, even even King T'Challa, who is a comic book character. Yeah. Right? But it's not. You know, he understood the reality of what that character means and what that movie means mm -hmm. deeply um, to people in this country and certainly people um, in the black community, it's incalculable what yeah. that movie means. And so I think, you know, him taking on those roles is just something that absolutely speaks to his character and, yeah. and, and the professionalism with which he did so and the passion. I mean, um, I think it was Letitia Wright in that in that tribute video who was talking about how you, or maybe Lupita and Yango, I can't remember who was talking about um, the emotion that he carries in his eyes mm -hmm. and how he can tell a story through just his eyes, and it's really powerful. And I think you see that in every role he's ever taken on. Mm -hmm. it, it's it's really amazing. Yeah, and that and that he would the level of focus that he had to convey the story that he he wanted to tell in conjunction with the uh, the screenwriters and the entire production team and, and how he helped um, helped write one of the one of the most powerful lines in Black Panther. Oh, that's right. That, that Kill... just dropped today. The Killmonger yeah, line. The Killmonger says, "I'd rather be buried um, in the ocean. In the ocean, um, with my ancestors who knew that it was better to die than to live a life in bondage, or something to that." Right, paraphrasing, yeah. but and so that Chadwick had a hand in that. It and it, it almost the conversation that they kind of play. It's like. He, it's kind of like he said, where, where is he, where's he going to end up? You know, he was, he didn't cite that entire verse. He's like, think about that. Cause he knew that he could inspire and lead people to yes. it. And, and it's just, this dude was not showing up grabbing paychecks. No, he understood that there was a higher purpose. And, and what he says in that tribute video, when he says, if done right, it can give people hope. Yeah. It's very real. And I think people just don't understand that. Like we get emotional, emotional about movies on here. And I think that on one hand, you could really downplay that and be like, that's silly. But on the other hand, no, it's very real. It's extraordinarily real. And especially when you're dealing with topics and um, groups that are being marginalized and, and things as heavy as what the films he's been in um, deal with, it, it, it's very real. And, and, and what he can provide to people is tangible. Yes. And uh, the fact that he ran towards all of these, yes. all of those huge, impactful um people that he played fictional or not, you know, it's, it's just another testament to his character. Like, no, like I'm going to, I can do that because that's what I believe in. And I have this skill set to, to do it, to convey this story. And that's right. the story that I want to tell. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, the fact that you and I are sitting here talking and, and feeling 
deep emotion speaks to it too, because we're not delusional. You know, we don't know Chadwick Boseman. We don't. We there probably isn't a reality in which we ever cross paths with Chadwick Boseman. No. But he had an emotional impact on our lives and the people around us and the country on the whole. He had that level of impact. Um, it, it's it's something that you just can't quantify. And one thing that that's sort of been living with me is, um, you know, we. I'm so thankful to his family for, for sharing Chadwick Boseman with us because something that when Kobe Bryant died, which again, another um, horrific tragedy that hit us this year and another horrific tragedy for the black community, you know, mm-hmm. somebody who was so paramount um, in that community and somebody who had just an incredible voice. Um, his wife, Vanessa, um, sort of talked about how, you know, how it can be hard sometimes to see all these people who you don't know and who didn't know your husband mourning. Um, but then she also sort of like had a perspective moment where she's like, that's hard, but also like Kobe wasn't just mine. Like, right. you know, and, and that, that is a level of emotional maturity that I, I, it is, I just applaud it because Chadwick Boseman's family has to be going through something very similarly. And so just from the bottom of my heart, like, I want to thank Chadwick Boseman's family for sharing him with us and to thank Chadwick Boseman for sharing his spirit and his light with us because it was, I do believe he has a legacy. I do believe he left an imprint on this world. And I think um, somebody said he left it better than he found it. Yeah. 100% he did. Absolutely yeah. true. So um, I think that's incredible. And and I think the other thing, speaking specifically about Black Panther, you may have seen there was a video being passed around from when he was on Jimmy Fallon show after black Panther came out and they were bringing people up to a poster of black Panther and saying, if, if Chadwick Boseman were here, you know, what would you say to him? And, and the I, first guy, I think they said there was a camera inside, yeah. underneath the poster and I, you read my mind. I was about to say the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so the first guy who comes up talks about how impactful it was to see a black superhero and not just a black superhero, but to see a superhero movie, not a, not a black movie, but a superhero movie that starred a predominantly black cast and told the story of black culture. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's something that, you know, we see it more and more representation matters. Mm -hmm. It matters. I wish I could say that in all caps representation matters. Um, and it matters in more ways than just you, you think. So, I think sort of explicitly it matters for people who are members of those minority groups. Like if you're, if you're a black child, the impact that seeing black Panther can have on you, I, I can't imagine it's, it's insurmountable. I mean, what, what you would see is just like, it's huge. Right. It, it's like, look at that. That's, that's me. You yeah. know, I, I can't tell you how many, it, it was uh, countless. So many kids were in black Panther costumes yes. in the fall of 2018. And it was Super cool, you know. Yeah. I think of the video of of there's like this little representation, this little Asian girl who's watching Hamilton and she sees Philippa Sue exactly in, in the role and she's like, "Mommy, she looks like me." And it's Absolutely. like, it's like you know, you you have to have that. Uh, so these people who are trying to get into the business that they love and trying to share their art that they want to do, but it's the job is bigger yes. than just being filmed. Of course. It's, it's the representation of it. Yeah. As well. And I think so. So that's like the explicit, like that's the thing that you, when someone says representation matters, that's the thing that you immediately think of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was texting with 
my oldest sister, your sister-in-law, Afton, and she was talking about, I don't know how I'm going to tell my kids that Black Panther is dead. And it hit me like a ton of bricks yeah. because my our nephews love Black Panther yes. deeply. And they are, you know, white kids. Uh-huh. But it's important for them to see a, a minority character in a leading role. It's Absolutely. important for them to understand the power of diversity and what that means. And that seeing a group like the Avengers and seeing that it takes women and, uh, you know, it takes women of all colors. It takes men of all colors. It takes a group of people from different backgrounds to solve the biggest of problems. That is a message that is just huge. And that message doesn't exist without Chadwick Boseman and Black Panther. It just doesn't. And what's cool with, with the narrative of T'Challa in the Avengers line. Okay. So he came in in civil war, right? Yes. And immediately fell in love with him. Like oh. beat one. Yeah. Like when he, when they're in, he steals the show uh, when they're in, are they in Sokovia? Right. Yeah. They're yeah. in Sokovia when the bomb goes off. Right. And then immediately they're just like looking to him for, for advice because obviously he's a King. He's, he's led his country mm-hmm. and, and continues to lead them. Like, you know, you have your big dogs, you've got, you've got Tony Stark you've got Captain America, you've got Thor. And they're like, well, yeah, well, we need to, we need to talk to T'Challa because this guy knows what he's doing. He's, he's, he's in this, in the, in the inner circle, he's on top of this. And they, they lean on him so much. They send Bucky to recover over there. Like the, the, uh, the world of, of T'Challa could not have been built like that without Chadwick Boseman being able to convey that, that he was a leader first and foremost. Look what that character does in that movie. Okay. That whole movie is about two groups of superheroes trying to kill each other. Yes. Okay. And what does he do in his time? He loses his dad. He's the only one who feels a real loss in that movie. Other than arguably Tony Stark feels he understands how his parents were lost. And so that's a, that's a reopened wound. Right. But Chadwick Boseman loses his dad at the hands of this terrorist. Mm -hmm. And then when he has a chance to end him, he covers over the gun that the guy's gonna use to shoot himself and says the living is not the living are not done with you yet. That's and right. saves him. And so that that's what I'm saying. Like Black Panther and, and Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther is a hero that really stands on a tier of his own. You know, he's he's really up there and he speaks for something that's just totally different and unique and extremely powerful. Yeah. Um man, <laughs> it just sucks you know, to lose somebody like him it, it's hard you know what more could he have done like i said he was a philanthropist he was extremely generous i mean this is a guy who won an mtv um award for playing black panther probably the only acting award he would win for playing black panther and he gave it away to a guy who he called a real life hero the the guy who stopped the waffle house that's shooter right. that's right i mean this this guy walks the walk and, and talks the talk and it, it's it's just it's honestly devastating. It's just horrible that we lost him. It's you know, I've I've shed more than a few tears about it. I think the world lost a voice that it needs and it needs now. <laughs> and yeah. and that's that's what I think. Um I saw a tweet that just said devastating blow. Like that was all they said right that's, after it happened, and I'm like, man, if if there is a more concise <laughs> statement that is so true and, and just really captures the brutality of this, that's it. Um, so yeah, there, it looks like, and as far as what else we would have had of, of Chadwick Boseman in our lives, there are, uh, one of the most influential pieces of, uh, 
of theater and literature, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. He was going to play um, a film called Yasuki and um, an ex, I'm going to butcher this, ex, Expatriate, right? Okay. Is that how you pronounce that? So all of those things that we, we won't get, I'm sure they, that he would have been great. I wonder if he's in part of them. Um, if some yeah. of them had started production and filming before the pandemic, you know, so yeah, it's such a huge loss and it's so hard to talk about. It this. is. It is really hard. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that obviously so many great actors um, got the chance to work with Chadwick Boseman and I just hope that they, you know, carry on his light. I mean, Michael B. Jordan released a statement about it that just really hit hard and he he said you know he's gonna live his life the way that that the way that Chadwick Boseman did and and, and live in his legacy and so you know it, it sounds cheesy gone but not forgotten I mean seriously this guy has a legacy a real one that's gonna live on um, it it has to live on without him unfortunately mm-hmm. um, but but it will and I think that's that's what's good um, so yeah I mean we're we're obviously going to shift gears on the episode away from this discussion. Um, we have lots of good stuff on our social for you guys who are just wanting to like get in touch with this. And, and, and we've talked about it a thousand times on this podcast. It's really great. Um, it's a really great way to sort of go through the art of, of the people that we lose um, and, and to just, just sort of spend some time with them, you know, now that they're gone and we won't get to see new performances from them and we won't get to feel that emotion. Um, we posted online all of the places where you can go watch Chadwick Boseman films. Some of them are, you know, if you have subscriptions, you can watch them for free. So yep. um, obviously not free, but it, it's a good way to do it. Some are on Netflix, HBO Max, so really whatever you have, you'll be able to get access to a Chadwick Boseman project, which is um, really good, and it's something that I I can't recommend enough. Um, I watched Black Panther this weekend. It was um, hard to watch, but it's such an incredible movie. So, um, so thankful for that. And so, yeah, and I mean, it's with the heaviest of heavy hearts that um, we say goodbye to Chadwick Boseman. And so then we'll we'll move into uh, the rest of our show. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host Cam. We got movies. <laughs> they're here. We got movies, Kirk. I I never thought I'd see the day where they're back, but um, we sat down in a movie theater with our masks and our popcorn and our sodi pop, our sodi pops, and and I could have. Um, I could have really cried in that moment just just for that, just for that feeling. Yeah. It felt 
I mean, we were, <laughs> let me just, <laughs> so before all this happened, we were going to the movies multiple times a week in a lot of cases. Yeah. We were trying to see movies for this week. In some cases, trying to see movies for next week. We were doing double features. We were going it to was crazy. additional movies with kids that we weren't going to review. Yes. You know. Yes. There are many times going, going to movies that we weren't going to review. Let me rephrase with our kids. I think I said, <laughs> with with kids, kids, just with random kids. <laughs> yeah. That's hey, not uh, weird. You, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> um, and we lost that for eight months, right? Was How long has it been? No, five. Six? I'm being dramatic. Let's six. say six. Let's six, say six is a yeah, good, six is good round number. Um, and yeah, we were back last week with, with New Mutants, and it just felt crazy. I couldn't believe it. It was so weird. It was so, so weird. And then at the same time, there's you're just so excited and then also so paranoid. Like, yeah, sure. Like, don't touch that. Don't touch that. Don't well, touch that. Yeah, so let's talk about that, right? Because I think it's important for us to talk about it because there might be people listening who are sort of like wondering. And first of all, don't do anything that you're uncomfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, you know, we both have been extraordinarily careful. We have young children and some people are more comfortable, whatever. We're not going to get into all of that. But let's talk about the theater experience just on the whole and kind of like, what it felt like and, and what the experience was like and, and uh, what people should expect if they decide to purchase tickets and go see a film. Yeah. So you you have to order your concessions and your tickets online only. Yeah. At no least with Marcus Theaters for sure. And I, I assume others are doing it as well. Yeah. And I wouldn't go to a theater that made me get a ticket, you know, because we walked up, they scanned or they just looked at it. Did they scan they something? Didn't, they didn't scan it. They just, they just looked. looked at it. They had like, it, it almost looked like, you know, you know, like in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the the little booth in front of the theater that everyone can walk around. Yeah, it was around. like an old timey theater. Yeah. Or like, like Twilight too. So they have a podium and then the, the plexiglass went so high up. That's what it kind of felt like that they yeah. were in one of those little booths and they just said, we just need to see your ticket on your phone. And then you opened it up. They said, go on. We picked up our concessions. Uh-huh. Moved on to the theater. Right. Um, yeah, so that was nice. And I mean, the concession thing is nice too because you're not waiting in a line, which again is one of those things where I was like, I don't feel comfortable waiting in a line. I don't like doing it at the grocery store. I don't, it just feels, even with social distancing, feels a little too close. I think my big takeaway from this whole thing, and, and shout out to Marcus Theaters, who we love. They've done an incredible job. They got yes. their, um, what are they calling it, Cinema Safe? Uh, accreditation that yeah. they're they're safe and good to go all of the doors have um, foot pole devices on them so you never have to touch a door handle which is incredible um they super clean the auditoriums i mean they were spick and span um, they put tape over your seats that you take off whenever you sit there mm-hmm. um what else i mean yeah the plexiglass the concessions pick up all of it i mean i always want concession pickup forever it's incredible after we it's get so vaccinated great. and everything yeah it's so great um i i really thought the whole process was was fantastic well and that's what i told i was that's what i was telling my wife because we had long conversations about like okay are we ready to do this like could are we cool with me going and i told her i was like man that is way safer than going to the grocery store yes 100 percent. i mean if let's say someone had covid at the movie theater right um in my limited knowledge of it and based on the fact that it spreads through air particles and, and whatnot, we would not have been considered directly exposed mm-hmm. to anyone, no one. Right. So, I mean, we did not, we were sitting in that theater. There wasn't anybody within a hundred feet of us. Were there like eight people in there total, <laughs> like including yeah. us? It was very thin and it was like a giant theater. Yeah. It was yeah, cause we, we saw it on the ultra screen mm-hmm. and we're actually, um, not to brag, but we're going to see tenant right after this recording tonight. <laughs> 
finally. <laughs> and we're also seeing an ultra screen again, not to brag, but also kind of bragging. I want to go back to your grocery uh, yeah, yeah. store comparison. Okay. So when I go in the grocery store, they got automatic doors. Great. Okay. Um, but I have not walked into a grocery store yet that has prepped and cleaned carts like target does do you walk into target Yeah, target does it they have like five clean ones ready to go at all times they have a person sitting there cleaning them yeah yes grocery store Mm -mm. there's like a little table where you can grab the stuff that everyone else has touched and spray it and clean it and then walk around the store pick up stuff and people are going down the wrong way with the the wrong way with the arrows dude dude, don't even get me started on that follow the arrows i've never wanted to publicly fight people (laughs) more than i do during this pandemic because the you know i went to the grocery store with my dad the other day and he was like you know the rules are pretty easy i was like yes yes the rules are very easy (laughs) they're not hard to follow yes there's arrows on the ground it's idiot proof yes don't be an idiot and if you have to go up one entire aisle to come back the other way then do (laughs) do it it. it's really not that hard you know you'll close some more rings on your (laughs) apple watch or your fitbit i mean I used I used to get like so so anxious when at the beginning of all of this when people would just like walk the opposite way I'm like oh my gosh please stop I hate you so much why are you? and now I'm just I just say out loud with no fear I say wrong way and I keep moving on my way to to people I, I just yeah I mean, I just, come on dude I, I just want to acknowledge it and I'm sure I'm gonna get punched one day but I, I have to tell them because it's so aggravating well you're just being a jerk yeah that's the reality of it like the, again it's easy so you not doing it just shows that. And I don't care if you think it's a pandemic or whatever the heck, like these are not hard rules and it's really not hard to like be compassionate and and understand that other people are, you know, if, if you're in the boat where you're like, this is a hoax, at least like care about other people's feelings and comfort. Like, is that so hard? Yeah. What the heck? (laughs) I I love early, early on too, you know, for, for the pandemic people were like, uh, they, someone shared a picture of the grocery store shopping cart return and this shopping cart return had large carts and small carts. And they said, this is why we're all going to die from the pandemic because it was about rule following. Right. All of the large ones were in the small carts. I saw that. I literally saw that exact thing at (laughs) Schnucks the other day. Yes. I'm like, you guys are animals. (laughs) And at that point, I'm like, do I just put the small cart in the small cart thing? Because now it's going to be mixed with the large carts. Or do I start a new row? Like, <laughs> Do you pull all of them out I know, and swap I them? I know. I was just <laughs> Spend like, an hour. it was such a moral dilemma for me. But the, all that said, I, I felt really safe. I did too. Um, it was difficult. So when we were eating our snack or drinking our soda, yeah. our masks were off. And then as soon as we were like taking a break, we put our masks on. Yeah. I will say it, it is a little difficult. Sure. Um, uh, I got, uh, I got a little tired. Let me tell you though, I didn't have to pee and I didn't have to get a refill. Truth, huge. Because I drank slower and I ate slower. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I should just wear this all the time. I'd probably <laughs> lose a bunch of weight. <laughs> yeah, I I do think, dude. I didn't even think about the bathroom. And since ten is two and a half hours, we're golden. Oh, two and a half. Yeah, <laughs> brutal. Um, I think that. It's, you know, I, I think back to like the doctor who ran like six hours straight with a mask on. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, okay, Kirk, suck it up. You can do this. You know? So that's what, that's my mentality. Going I think a tonight. lot of it, not to get on the mask thing, but I think a lot of it is like mind over matter. Yeah. Like I 100% breathe differently when I wear the mask just because it's in my own head. Uh-huh. So that, that's part of it for sure. But yeah, I mean, I was definitely like trying to be like, all right, do I feel like I'm going to eat for a little while? Cause then I'll take it off. But if not. I'll wear it. Or right. sometimes I was like, 
I'm getting kind of tired of this. I think I'm going to take it off and eat some popcorn. <laughs> you know, right. like, or it was like fogging up my glasses, which I have, I have masks now that I've got the glasses fogging thing under control. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's not the world's most comfortable experience, but as far as like, um, how did I feel in terms of safety and my health? Um, great. Yep. Yeah. I mean, for me personally, uh, it felt very safe. Right. If, if one of us happens to test positive from COVID, I am 99% certain it is not from the movie I theater. Agree. Yeah, I 100% Just want to put that out there yeah. since we're like, yeah, I think it's great. Go do it. No, I would almost, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would be shocked and appalled if it would be from that. But Yeah, and no one could trace it back to that. So I'm going to say grocery store for 500. Yeah, Alec. absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, so we've got movies back. Yeah. Movies are back. Like we said, humble brag, we're going to see Tenet tonight. We'll just flex all over you guys. Early access viewing, $5 Tuesdays. Let's get it. It's going to be amazing. It's nothing better than today. <laughs> it's going to be great. Um, with movies comes movie news. Mm-hmm. And we've got a lot of that too. So we should probably get rolling because we got a 9 p.m. showing to get to. And the clock is ticking. So we're going to jump into what's popping. All right, so the big, big news, the big, big news, again, it's been two weeks since we last recorded, so the weekend after our last show was DC Fandom, which was the first ever really DC-centric convention, it all happened virtually, Um, there's a good chance you didn't tune in for it, but we did, (laughs) and we watched it, Uh, I watched... I watched a few of the panels. I mostly like set my alarm for like when I knew big panels were going on and like would tune in for that. Um, so I watched the Zack Snyder one. I watched the Batman one. I watched the Suicide Squad one. Um, I caught the tail end of the Wonder Woman one. I knew we were going to get a trailer from that, so I didn't really feel like I had to watch the panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've heard it. I mean, they've been on press tour for a thousand years. <laughs> they've been on press tour for so long. <laughs> Once it was became um, the first most successful dc film yeah <laughs> they're like all right just just keep them in the circuit <laughs> yeah, i feel like i've already seen this movie um but let's start there let's start with wonder woman it was it was sort of the first big panel of the day the big revolution coming out of, or revelation coming out of that was a new trailer mm-hmm. again this movie's done like done done has been for a long time was supposed to come out july 4th or 5th or something mm-hmm. um but in this new trailer we got a glimpse of two things that are somewhat significant one more so than the other the first one and the big one is Kristen wiggs cheetah mm-hmm. we saw Kristen wig we saw a lot more Kristen wig than we had gotten in previous trailers and we saw her in full cheetah mode um we saw her in battle with wonder woman and so the other thing that we saw was wonder woman's gold armor which is sort of like i don't know what the purpose of the gold armor is it's sick yes it is it's amazing i wish i had a, a gold armor suit i probably wouldn't look as good as gal gadot does wearing <laughs> gold armor i don't know it's pretty slick it, it makes anybody look good i'm gonna get you a gold suit of yeah armor. let's do it i mean it's it's a look it's it's amazing <laughs> and she looks like uh, if i was cheetah or anybody i wouldn't be messing with anybody wearing that gold suit of armor i'd just turn right around yeah no no chance so um Anyway, I digress. <laughs> I don't know why I got stuck on that for so long. I'm looking on Amazon right now. <laughs> it's probably like $5,000. Okay, Kristen Wiig, though, and Cheetah. Um, the Cheetah that we saw, I, I've been kind of wondering what kind of Cheetah we're going to get because Cheetah in the comics is like a half Cheetah, half person. 
you know, like looks very much like a cheetah. Uh-huh. And so in the in the trailers previously, we kept seeing Kristen Wiig and like cat print stuff. And uh-huh. so I was like, is that it? Like, is that what we're getting? <laughs> the That's a resounding no, because we saw full CGI cheetah. And I want to know what your thoughts were. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's a mistake. Yeah. It's a mistake, man. The only full CGI character that, I can't think of at the moment that I've ever respected as Thanos in, in Avengers. Yeah, Thanos looked really good. Because I can think of completely CGI villains or or protagonists, whatever, yeah. in other films like Let's Talk Star Wars, where where uh, General Grievous, mm-hmm. terrible. Snoke. Absolutely awful. Snoke. Snoke. Not no. Great. No. You cannot make... Even if it's a transformation, you know, so we have Kristen Wiig. She looks great. She looks like yeah. she's she's honed in. But when she's in complete CGI, it's like, why did you do that? You did this in the first Suicide Squad movie yeah. for all the when they turned bad. You know, it's like, guys, stop it. Stop it. It's tough. I mean, Cheetah is, is tough. I, I can see why. You know, if I'm if I'm Patty Jenkins and I'm and I'm behind this movie, I can see why you can't make a Wonder Woman sequel without looping in Cheetah at some point. If not this movie, then the yeah. next one. But to your point, it's a tough character to pull off in film. It just is. Like, I think it would look ridiculous with prosthetics and makeup. I think it. I think it. You think so? I mean, it'd have to be very good. Well, I think it looks more ridiculous CGI for sure. It does. It looks pretty preposterous in this trailer. Do you know what it looks like? For my taste, it looks like they got a deal with the people who were doing cats the because they fur technology, digital fur doing technology, <laughs> yeah, DSC. at the same time. And Tom Cooper is like, "Hey, you guys want some of these design artists?" It does look a little bit like that. It, it doesn't look great, and in, and my take has always been with DC that it's a little too CGI heavy. Yes. Especially even the first Wonder Woman. That's actually kind of what took away a lot of the effectiveness of that film because it is a good movie with a good story, good acting performances, but the CGI and the over effects of it takes away from it. And then they get to like an hour and 57 minutes and they're like, just unleash the CGI. Just Just do it. 120 frames per second, (laughs) full CGI chaos. Yes. And we saw it in justice league and we saw it in Batman versus Superman and we keep seeing it. I don't understand it. That is their mistake. If they would just pick the villain to not be completely CGI or the final battle to be completely CGI because it's so distancing when the the rest of the movie, you have special effects, you have, you have some of, you have to have it. But then if you're not controlling it correctly, you just lose me. Yeah. I think what they should have done at the beginning of this whole DCEU and we'll get more into DC, obviously they should have just cast a really good Lex Luthor from the jump. Yes. And then they would have been fine. He could have been the Thanos. Lex Luthor is that cool. Cooler. Probably. Mm -hmm. Um, I would argue, and, and don't don't um, don't cast the Lex Luthor that you cast. Let's just put it that way. That was <laughs> terrible, Jesse Eisenberg. Um, no offense to him, I think he was put in a really bad spot playing yeah. a character that's just totally out of his range, mm-hmm. um, in a weird way. So yeah, I mean, I think for me, that that's one way they could have gone. There's a lot of there's a lot of CGI um, in DC films, and mm-hmm. it gets a little exhausting. So that's Wonder Woman. 
This is a really interesting one and one that definitely made my ears perk up. Static shock? <gasps> yeah. If you were alive um, and a child during the time when Kirk and I were children, static shock was the deal. <laughs> yes, it was. WB on Saturday mornings, static shock was incredible. Mm -hmm. Like legitimately a very good superhero show. And static shock was 100% one of my favorite superheroes growing up. Like no questions asked. Oh yeah. I would, I would definitely like role play at home. And I, I was, oh, like, it was, I was so like, cool. Static shock. Like, well, now, was he a comic book before, or he was strictly animated? And See, then I don't they, know, because I was a kid. See, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think he was animated. I think so, cartoon, too. And then they made him a comic book And then hero. they made him, which, baller move. Yes. Like, that hasn't happened to, like, anyone else ever. Yeah. Um, the the voice acting cast, the the direction, the, the actual just animation, the art in there was so cool. Yeah. And the, they just made him so cool. He was awesome. And I'm not cool, so I gravitate toward those characters. Yeah, just a very relatable character. He was kind of like a, like seen as like a little bit of like a lazy guy, like yeah. school age kid, just like pretty funny. I don't know, very good character. And so what they revealed at DC Fandom is that there's more Static Shock content coming. They mostly spoke about comic books, mm -hmm. but afterwards the character creator said that there there is a movie. Like, there have been discussions about a movie and a series. Yes, So, please. I don't know if both of those are happening. I don't know if neither of them. I don't know. But a Static Shock movie would be incredible. And honestly, let's just slide him in with the rest of the DC people because he's awesome. Yes. And he can hang. Yeah. I, I mean, you could you could throw him up there on the big screen, and then you could also have, like, you could have the animated series, like, reboot and just throw it on, I guess they'd put it on their stupid DC only thing, yeah, but DC they should Universe. throw it on HBO Max. It'll probably go on HBO Max. I yeah. mean, Warner's all in on that. Um, somebody tweeted, and I, I'll give them credit at some point later if I can find it. Um, what if it was a Static Shock movie in the style and art of Spider-Verse? And I was like, oh, <laughs> that would be amazing. What if, yeah. Because what? he is an animated hero and one that we've only ever seen that way. Yeah. And, Honestly, just kind of built for that. He's just—he's got a really colorful look. It would look great. It would yeah. look really great. And like, if if the color palette for Static Shock met into the Spider Verse. Oh man. Yes, please. It would be amazing. So that—that's good. We'll keep you guys posted on that. We'll be watching that one closely. Um, we didn't get much on the new Flash movie, even though there's been a lot of news swirling about that. Obviously, Michael Keaton being cast, Ben Affleck being cast, the whole. This this movie is really starting to feel like it's the linchpin for all things that are going to happen within the DC Extended Universe going forward. But we did get some new art, and in the artwork, you can very clearly see Michael Keaton Batman fighting alongside the Flash. Indeed. And it's obviously his suit. It's got the yellow logo. It's got the really pointy ears. It's got the big cape. It's like, it's Michael it's Keaton. It's Michael Keaton. Um, so... That gets me really excited because that makes that means he's gonna be fighting alongside the Flash, which is sick. Mm -hmm. And you know they kept talking about like, well, he'll be like a Nick Fury type, or he'll be like a mentor type. But I want to see him in action. Oh, he'll be in action, and it looks like we're getting. Aren't that. they like in the rain in the dark yeah. too? Like, yeah, and there's a new Flash suit which looks really sick yeah. too. Yeah, uh, we posted that on social too, so go check that out. You have to scroll through our Facebook page for a little bit, but it's out there. I'm getting very excited for that project. Mm -hmm. um, despite the fact that the Flash is a 
so-so character in my opinion. Uh, what they've built it as, yes. I think it makes me so mad. I watched season one of the CW's Flash, uh-huh. and I can't remember the actor's name. He's fantastic. That kid should have been the Flash. Oh, you think? Yes. He's good enough? I think he's good enough. He is He's charming. He is funny. Uh, he's He's got a theater background. That's probably why I love him. But that's why I feel like he's smart on screen. Because yeah. uh, if you can be if you can come from theater and then be effective on film, then you've figured it out. Because there's two such... There's such two... Words. <laughs> <laughs> there's such different mediums of yeah. performance. And he figured it out. And I just think that he was the right man for the job. Yeah, I mean... It's no offense, no offense to Ezra Miller, who I think is a good actor um, in the right situation. He's funny too in the right situation. Mm-hmm. If you've seen Perks of Being a Wallflower, oh, yeah. hilarious in that movie. Um, I think he's, he's just cast. not the Flash. I just don't. I, again, it's this is something that DC has done previously. Just weird casting. Yeah, he just doesn't. He doesn't look like Flash to me. Not look. I just mean like he doesn't fit that mold from a personality standpoint. Exactly. Um, so we'll see. I'm, I'm excited about this movie though. I hope that they make it really good. Um, the One of the panels that I watched all the way through because I just curiosity got a hold of me was the Zack Snyder panel mm-hmm. which was weird. <laughs> I didn't know the right way to say it but like okay so the whole thing was like People asking Zack Snyder questions about the movie, the Justice League Snyder Cut, which I was like, okay, that makes sense. And it was like questions like they brought in Ben Affleck to read a fan question. They brought in uh, Ezra Miller to read a fan question, Henry Cavill. It was cool. But then it transitioned into Zack Snyder asking questions to the people who started the release the Snyder Cut movement. And I was like, okay, this is weird. Who cares? And it was like, Okay, here's what I find bizarre about this whole thing. It's like DC released this movie and tons of people saw it and they've been peddling it for like a long time. And now it's like a DC sanctioned smear campaign on Joss Whedon, who, for your information, if you don't know, took over that project when Zack Snyder had to leave for family issues. So pretty tragic. Yeah, tragic family issues. Uh, It's just become like this Joss Whedon smear campaign which is very odd. And they're like dragging this movie through the mud. Like this whole panel, they were like, Zach would like ask one of these fans, like, so why, you know, why were you so passionate about this? And they were like, well, I saw justice league and I just knew that like, it was not you and it was just not your style. And this was not the Zack Snyder that I knew. And I was like, this is weird. (laughs) Like, this is your movie. Chill out guys. Like DC, why are you doing this? Yeah. That's a really weird thing for him to respond for the, the fan to say to you like <laughs> I know. calm down and it was like fan after fan that they brought on was saying the same thing like well we just knew that this wasn't Zack Snyder and I'm like first of all Joss Whedon was put in an impossible position yes second of all it very well could have been Zack Snyder's movie he's he's not just like oh he doesn't just always make incredible films third of all how many incredible films has he made because I can't even count like it, one it did look like a Zack <laughs> Snyder movie to me it did like it looked like 300 yeah and it, I mean, which, I don't know. Which not that great of a movie. Let's be honest. I uh, know I don't like it. So like you can say uh, you can say that about like a Spielberg movie that got picked up and changed, but you can't say that about this one. I'm sorry. I know. I'm just like, what an interesting thing. So that was very strange. At the end of it, we got a trailer. We the, we did. 
Okay, I'm trying hard. I, I, I am honestly excited about all things DC, but Here. the legacy DC content <laughs> is rough. You just t- keep talking about the trailer. Yeah. So um, the trailer is like weirdly Hallelujah. over CGI'd again. It's like all slow motion, no audio, Hallelujah. like no no dialogue. <laughs> and as Kirk is showing us right now, they played a weird cover of Hallelujah, which obviously is like such a cliche. It's so overused. Like ever since that Jason Castro guy sang it on American Idol, that song has been played like into eternity to the point where every time I hear it, I have like a physical cringe reaction (laughs) like every time. Oh, I love that reference. And so (laughs) that's what was playing in the background. And I texted, I texted you and I was like, this is the most DC thing like this. (laughs) This is the microcosm of everything bad that happened with the DC EU right in this trailer. And so dark sides in there, he's all CGI. It's like CGI crazy fest Mm -hmm. it all looks incredibly fake i got in a fight online with a bunch of dc fanboys about i was saying that there's too much cgi and they're like too much cgi what are you talking about it's not supposed to look real it's aliens i'm like well i disagree in the fact that it is supposed to look kind of real in the sense that it is supposed to look believable correct because films are supposed to make you escape into another world so it does have to look believable Anyway, I digress. There's a way to use CGI at the level that they want to. They're just not doing it. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's probably a movie out there that uses heavy CGI, but you're, it doesn't affect you. It's it's ingrained in the story. It's not just used as a way to tell the story. Yeah. You know I mean, like, like, oh, yeah, we could do this because CGI exists. No, you have to make it. You have to make it a reason to put it together. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I would argue that part of the reason, again, there's always going to be Marvel-DC comparisons, but part of the reason that Marvel has been so successful is because they've lived more often than not in that reality realm, and they use as much practical effects as they possibly can, and Mm -hmm. they try to refrain from using CGI. And so their films have a level of authenticity to it that people really enjoy, and that's something that people are not enjoying about DC so far. And so to see Zack Snyder's like new trailer and it's all CGI it was just it was a bit much for me. Moving on before we get mean because <laughs> I don't want to get mean about the release of the Snyder cut. Um, Suicide Squad we didn't get a much there. There was a behind the scenes video and there was a roll call video which was cool that was like really nice animation with music behind it that was showing us who each actor was playing. Um, the big mystery coming into it was like, who is Idris Elba playing? Because they had kept that secret. He's playing a character called Bloodsport. Um, Jai Courtney is still Captain Boomerang. Um, who else is still? I mean, Harley Quinn is obviously Margot Robbie. Yep. Um, Viola Davis is still Amanda Waller. Um, that might be everybody. That might be it. It's close. Anyway, so our returning people are there. The new people are there. It looks like a really fun cast of characters. How are you feeling about the Suicide Squad based on what you've seen so far? I mean, I, I trust James Gunn. Not with my life, but <laughs> I trust him. I trust him. I think it's going to be it's going to be something completely unexpected. Yeah. Because I've, I've seen some like, uh, like what, what Nathan Fillion is, his costume is absolutely absurd <laughs> and out of the context of whatever kind of uh, filter they put over the, the entire film. Yeah. I'm like, 
wait, what's he doing? What are they doing? But I'm like, I know it's going to work because you made insane characters for Guardians of the Galaxy, one of the most beloved films. Yes. So a masterpiece. I, I just I just trust that I'm going to like it. Yeah, I think it's off to a good start. I, I like where it's heading. I like what I've seen so far. And again, yeah, I trust James Gunn as well. And I like Pete Davidson. I just want to see him succeed. Pete Davidson. <laughs> we got to see James Gunn's casting all of his buddies in this movie, which is really awesome. Um, obviously, Sean Gunn, his brother is in it. Um, Michael Rooker, who's, you know, we, has been with him through thick and thin, who plays Yondu in the Guardians. Yes. For, for those of you who are familiar with that character. Um Nathan Fillion, who you mentioned, he's a huge. They're like best friends, so it's uh, it's fun. It, it'll be it'll be fun to watch this movie come along, and I honestly can't wait for it. Okay, and now for the big, the big big news. What DC Fandom wrapped up with a panel with director Matt Reeves on his movie, The Batman, <laughs> starring Robert Pattinson. <sighs> And the big question, we all knew that we were going to get this panel. We knew they had to talk about the Batman. We just didn't know what we were going to see because what we've been told countless times is that this movie is very early in production. And what Matt Reeves said during the panel was that it's about 25% of the way done. Um, And so they did this whole panel. Matt Reeves got to talking about the movie in a way that I think if you're really into this project, you should absolutely go look up and watch because it was really cool to see him talk about this movie. Um, This is a filmmaker who I've really grown to like over the years as he's made some incredible movies. Um, So to sort of see him talk about his film in such an in-depth way was really cool. So if you're really into the Batman, go check that out. But at the end of it, he tossed it over to Robert Pattinson or I think actually, I think the panel started with Robert Pattinson who was being weird in a Robert Pattinson kind of way and was like, hey, guys, I don't know what they're going to show you because we haven't done much, but here it is. <laughs> and so at the end, they gave us really close to a full trailer. It's a teaser um, that showed us a lot more than I was expecting. And it looks awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the trailer is set to um, Nirvana, which check one. It is, it's got, so in my opinion, a very David Fincher vibe to it. Mm -hmm. This feels like if David Fincher directed a Batman movie, it's actually looking darker than the Nolan Batman movies. Yeah. And not by a little bit. I mean, opening shot of that trailer, we see a dead man. Yeah, with his face duct taped up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's creepy. Like my wife like was like, oh, I can't watch this. Oh yeah, mine too. So yeah, we were watching it. We were like running an errand. And, and she was like, this is, this is too much. This is too much. Yeah, it's intense. <laughs> and um, some some observations from the trailer. First of all, like we said, dark, dark, dark. The, the um, climax scene in the trailer is Batman, Robert Pattinson Batman comes across this group of guys and... They're like, what What are you supposed to be? And this guy walks up to him with like a baseball bat. And Robert Pattinson beats him to the point that you think he might be dead. He hits him so many times. And then he goes, I am vengeance, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is awesome. Um, so that moment, obviously very brutal, more brutal than we definitely saw with Christian Bale's Batman, I think for sure. Um, this movie is a Riddler villain movie. Yeah. Which I think we were all kind of wondering because, you know, we've got Colin Farrell as the Penguin. We've got um, Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. We've got the Riddler, who Paul, is Paul Dano. Paul Dano. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of wondering, like, 
you know, you and I have talked about that seems ambitious, but what they're setting up here, it looks like, is so Matt Reeves says this is year two in Batman's career. So he's early on, but he's sort of like getting established. He has a suit, he has a Batmobile, he's fighting crime on a nightly basis, but he's still young in his career. And so the villains have not really come to full fruition yet, but the Riddler is turning out to sort of be his first real issue. Mm -hmm. And the Riddler is like the Zodiac killer or, or something like it's creepy. <laughs> He's like leaving clues and murdering people. I don't know. Um, but that's the trajectory that it's on. What, what did you think about this trailer? Any observations? Yeah, I loved. It's weird because I love, I love the brutality of when a hero is defeating villains. Like, uh -huh. so like, it's kind of like the daredevil Netflix series take because in it, you see, um, yeah. Oh gosh, what's his name in the in the what's his Charlie Cox? Yep. What's his real name? I mean, that's the actor's name. Oh, uh, Matt Murdock. Thank you. You see Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox plays him, but you see him just like defeat people with like such brute strength and with such precise martial arts um, attacks. Yeah. And that's what this fight scene that we saw when uh, when our paths is just like going after people. You see like uh, like elbow drops and like to the neck, and it's like whoa this is what i love because you have these horrible people that they're just taking down so i love kind of that gritty brutalness that comes out in superhero movies yes. kind of like this so i'm all in and, and the darker the better for me <laughs> yeah i think when it comes to batman for sure right like yeah. he is a different flavor of hero and that's why he that's part of the reason he's so popular i think dc is on the right track here mm -hmm. um the darker Batman will scare away some people. Sure. You know, like we said, my, like my dad's not going to watch it. That's no. a fact. Um, some people just don't really like that style. But I think what Batman is to the fan base is the Batman that we saw in this trailer. Yeah. And, and so I think that it's a good move on their part in that way it's also good to couple it because you know we just had joker with joaquin phoenix yes. so, which mm -hmm. was ultra dark so now you have this new batman um story edge and it's like well yeah it has to be dark you couldn't come out and be like hey let's try the adam west yeah, style I mean, again you right know? this is what they're saying gotham city is it's dark and so um i'm excited colin farrell what is going on with him is he doesn't he, even look like himself is that him yes dancing it is. in the rain like yeah Dude, I love Colin Farrell with it's all in, my heart. It's insane. I was like, I was like adjusting, like cleaning my glasses. I was like, what do we have going on here? Mm -hmm. um, man, it looks interesting. Go check out that trailer. It's on our social, The Batman. It's it's looking very interesting. All right, that's it for DC fandom. We're not going to talk about Black Adam because they didn't give us much there. Um, we'll leave it at that. But there's tons of content online. So if you're interested in everything that was in DC fandom. Um, I would bet you could still go to dcfandom.com and still find that content there. All right, more news. Like I said, we got tons. So much. Um, the Haunted Mansion is being rebooted by Disney, and the script is going to be pinned by Katie Dippold? Dippold. Mm -hmm. Katie, Katie Dippold. That's how I'm going to say it. I hope that that's right. I tried to figure it out, but I couldn't find it online, so I apologize, Katie, she's if gonna, you're listening to this. She's going to find you. Um, who wrote the 2016 Ghostbusters film with uh, – it was like the Ghostbusters reboot. And so that is where what we know so far. So I don't know what flavor that's going to take. You would bet that it's still in like the comedy realm since that Ghostbusters movie kind of was that way. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. Are you ready for a Haunted Mansion reboot? No one ever wanted the first film with Eddie Murphy, so... Yeah, which was bad. Why try again? I don't know. I mean, I think 
it is interesting, right? Like, it's such a beloved ride. One of mm-hmm. my personal favorites. I mean, I love it. The Haunted Mansion is synonymous with Disney World, Disneyland. It's huge. It's And it's great. And there's something about it that is so awesome. But, it, well, you know, when you think about translating that to film, it's, it's kind of impossible. Well, yeah, because they created that ride and created a story for the ride with no intention of making it a movie. Right. And so that's why it's so unique because like how do you translate it you obviously can't make it a straight-up horror movie i guess you could but it's disney it's disney that's what i'm saying like you can't do it which that seems like the direction you would maybe want to go with it if you were going to go any direction yeah i mean because it's scary let's be honest you got the headless bride you know walking around those halls like it's horrifying yeah and the way they're coming out of the graveyard you know my kids loved that they were they had never they knew nothing about it Uh other than the name and when we went to disney world and they're like, we want to go. We want to yeah. go to the Haunted Mansion. Right. We waited in line for almost two hours, and my six and three year old were like, "This is fine. This is we're just excited Which is to ride insane. this." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's insanity. So I we we don't need this. We don't need this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm afraid. I, I hope that they figure out something cool to do because mm-hmm. it would be nice. Um, I'll turn it on when it comes out of Disney Plus, and that'll be that. Yeah, it's just hard to know what they really feel like they're getting out of this. I guess they don't want people down the line like calling for that ride to be removed, but it's beloved by all ages. Like you said, your kids have no connection to that ride, no sentimental value. They wrote it and they were like, this is great. Yes. It's just a timeless classic. So I really think it will be fine if you just leave it alone. Correct. Um, but again, this is Disney and they don't typically leave things alone. So <laughs> here we are. <laughs> hence Jungle Cruise, hence Pirates of the Caribbean. Ugh. The list goes on. Um, okay. Another reboot. This one, bizarre. Variety is... Re- oh, that was the Hollywood Reporter, by the way. He was reporting mm-hmm. Haunted Mansion. Variety is reporting that a live-action Powerpuff Girls reboot <laughs> is in the works for the CW. The Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. Did you watch the Powerpuff Girls? I freaking loved the Powerpuff so Girls. So good, right? Yes. Man, that was a kind of a golden age, or maybe not a golden age, but like a silver age in cartoons. I mean. <laughs> like, such good stuff coming out of Cartoon Network back in the day. Ed, Ed, and Eddie was another one. <laughs> Dude, I would, like, actually pee my pants watching Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Yo, it's so hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Ed, Ed, and Eddie, Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff Girls. Codename Kids Next Door. Oh. Yeah, there was some good stuff. Dexter, yeah, did you say Dexter's I Lab? I did, yeah. yeah. Um, my but laboratory. <laughs> they're rebooting Powerpuff Girls live action for the CW. If ever there was a show that didn't really lend itself to a live action reboot... This has got to be up there. Yeah. The character designs are really cartoony, very colorful. Yes. Mojo Jojo is like a monkey with a brain in like a <laughs> water tank on top of his head. Like, how are they going to do this? I, I mean, I guess they'll figure it out, but it, I just don't have, I want it to be good because I have such yeah. a wonderful spot in my heart for them, but... You know, when that actor says, I am Mojo Jojo, if it's not right on... Oh, it's got to be terrible. I'm walking out of the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm throwing my popcorn in the air. Right. And I'm I'm storming out of the theater. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So there's that. Uh, More news. Going back to Disney. So they've got a movie coming out that's called Raya and the Last Dragon. It's a Disney Animation Studios film. Really interesting artwork. Um, It's a, you know... it's not Polynesian. What would you call that? Like Pacific Asian islands, I guess, like the Pacific yeah. ring kind of area. Um, so it's it's got that culture woven into it, which is a new look from Disney. It's pretty exciting. Um, they had a big shakeup, you know, following COVID. So now 
Kelly Marie Tran, who you would know from playing Rose Tico in the Star Wars sequels, is going to play Rhea, mm-hmm. who was previously going to be voiced by Cassie Steele. They shook up the directors. They shook up the producers, the whole thing, top to bottom. They, Some people are saying it's because of COVID. Well, Disney's saying it's because of COVID, but there are rumors um, out there that, I can't remember if it was Slash Film or where I read this, that they were just not super happy with the path that this project was on in the first place. And so they were like, well, let's just, let's just rattle it up. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to talk about this because good for Disney because Kelly Marie Tran was put through absolute hell by toxic star Wars fans. And people were telling her all kinds of terrible things. And she was talking about the impact that had on her mental health. Uh, so she's a good actor and deserves opportunities. And so this is a great chance for Disney to, I mean, Disney owes her. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. Yeah. They, I mean, they didn't mean for that to happen, but it did. And she could have earned this even if they didn't know her, but they do. And so I think this is a good move on their part. Yeah. I am sad because, man, Degrassi, the next generation, holds a special place <laughs> in my heart. But Cassie Steele was yeah. one of the most dynamic characters. They they basically rewrote her just for fun. Mm-hmm. And she just, she did it. She did a good job being whatever that show turned out to be. But... <laughs> You know, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for, for the, uh, for the, uh, what would you cut? Just the, the comeback tour yeah, yeah. Uh, of Miss Tran. So yeah, it'll, yeah. it'll be good. Um, okay. Two more. The first one is silly. Marvel studios in the midst of all this stuff that was coming out, like with DC and all this, I guess Marvel was like, well, we ought to do something. And so what they released was like the most insignificant thing ever, which was <laughs> a new title treatment for, what was previously called Marvel Studios The Eternals. Mm. And this new title treatment dropped the the. It's cleaner. Per, um, what's this character's name? Sean Parker. Sean Parker. <laughs> yeah, they, mm-hmm. they pulled the social network on us and dropped the the. So now it's just Eternals. Eternals. Let's speculate wildly. <laughs> Why would they do this? Oh, God. Here are some of my <laughs> theories. They dropped the the because this isn't really a team movie. You know, and for it to have a the, it needs to be a team. Maybe there isn't a team. Maybe this is like a super deep origin story where we're like seeing all these different Eternals and then maybe at the end they kind of end up together. I don't know. Another theory is that there will be other celestial Eternal type beings later. Yes. And so they can't very well call these guys the Eternals Uh because there will be others and that would imply that there wouldn't be. Those are wonderful theories. I just thought... I've thought about this way too much. Ready, I don't know why. You ready this, for my stupid one? Yes. <laughs> I was like... The you know, stupider the better. When you're when you're saying it to your friends like, oh, I'm going to go see the Eternals. Or, or you could say, oh, I'm going to see Eternals. Yeah. It's just like easier. You're like, oh, when we see Richard Madden be the coolest, awesomest dude in Eternals. I don't know. It feels like it rolls off the tongue better. Just, see, I just disagree. <laughs> because remember when Joker came out? I kept oh, saying the Joker, the yeah. Joker, the Joker. Yeah. It plagued me for months. Yeah. Still does to this day. And so maybe they did this to ruin my life and <laughs> to ruin the lives of people like me because I will call this the Eternals for all time. They're targeting you. They are. It's it's an attack. And at this point, it's getting a little ridiculous. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's that one. Eternals. Uh, last one. This one is just us playing favorites because we love musical theater. We've said it a thousand times. Academy Award nominee Amy Adams and Academy Award winner Julianne Moore are joining the cast of the Dear Evan Hansen movie. Ooh, ooh. 
which is an incredible musical. You and I saw it live for the very first time last year. Yes, we did. Incredible. Would you agree? Tears streaming down my face. So good. So emotional. Oh, by the way, this cast already has Ben Platt and Caitlin Deaver, Mm -hmm. among others. Um for on a le- on a scale from one to ten, how stoked are you about this movie now? Uh, five thousand. Yes, it's it's so stacked. I love it. It's gonna be good. It has to be almost at this point. It has to be. It'll be devastating if it's not good. Well, here's the thing, man. It's a musical adaptation, so you know it's gonna be pretty close to the musical. Mm-hmm. The set design is not gonna be hard because it's just like normal life. Yeah. The songs we already know are good. They're Pasek and Paul, amazing. The story is great. Um, ben Platt played Evan Hansen. Um, so I'm just saying like it, it's, it would be pretty tough for them to mess this one up. Yes. And I, I have such, uh, again, the Powerpuff girls are in my heart. All of these actors are in my heart as well too. It's like Powerpuff girls are over in the right ventricle <laughs> and then in the left ventricle. I've got Ben Platt and Caitlin Deaver. And then the, the, the lower quadrant, uh, I've got the reigning of the cat, Julianne Moore and Amy Adams. I just, I can't think of a better cast for this and Danny Pino, he's yeah. uh, he's been in like a hundred different detective shows, and I, I just it's perfect. As long the only way this can be more perfect is if they take out the song "Break in a Glove." Oh, um, and true. I would be over the moon for this. What a brutal way to start Act Two. You have to think that they're they're gonna try to rewrite that, right? They have to know it's so bad. <sighs> they have to know. It almost works when you see the show live. Not really. <laughs> When you listen to the album, it's tough. Yes. It's even tougher. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. Regardless, I will fast forward through that or I will just deal with it. <laughs> go to the bathroom during that one. That's the bathroom yeah, break. There you go. You know? That's the bathroom break one. <laughs> Everything else is just perfect. <laughs> yeah, it should be a good time. Um, those are powerhouse actors and, yeah. and great singers, and it's going to be awesome. That's it for What's Poppin'. We did it. Fantastic. We popped it up. Um, so this episode, we went in a different direction. We're not doing our interview this week. Like we said, um, we wanted to make sure we had time to talk about um, Chadwick Boseman and, and to pay homage to um, an amazing man that we unfortunately lost. And uh, so we're not doing schoolyard pick this week. Just want to tee you guys up for that. We're not doing schoolyard pick this week. We're going to wrap up the show with our review of the new mutants which is a new film that came to theaters and we saw it in theaters. A new film completed in 2018. Okay, so we'll <laughs> let's let's start with that. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know the history of this movie, it is it has uh, a checkered past for sure. <laughs> it was originally supposed to be released, wait for it, April 13th, 2018. <laughs> 2018. And it was shelved and reshot. And then the reshoots were scrapped because Disney was like, screw it. And <laughs> and it was released now, finally. After it was supposed to come out pre-COVID, it's actually pretty hilarious that it got delayed again to post, or not post-COVID, but till the theaters reopen. Yeah. But it's finally here. <laughs> and we went and saw it, and now we're going to review it for you guys. Um, it's my turn to synopse. Oh, this movie. have fun, man. <laughs> I will. I'm going to keep it pretty simple. Um, so the New Mutants follows uh, the story of Danny, who is um, a Native American who her family in town gets wiped out in what they believe is a tornado. And she wakes up in like a mental hospital of sorts. And 
there's this doctor and there's these other kids that are her age and she's being told that she has these abilities. And so everybody who's there, and there's five of them total, I think, they have these mutant abilities. And she's been told, you know, you're a mutant and all these different things. Well, we don't know what her power is. And so the whole movie is kind of like, what is her power? But then weird things start happening. This is actually a horror film. Uh, it's a, weirdly a superhero horror crossover genre. Um, and so the whole story kind of turns into like, what are these weird things that are happening? What is Danny's power and why are we here? And, and that's basically the setup for the entire film. Mm-hmm. So let's jump right into it. And the Oscar goes to, I am giving it to Miss Maisie Williams, who played Rain um, slash Wolfsbane. That's the name of the superhero. Mm-hmm. Rain is um, a mutant with the ability to turn into a wolf. Yes. And she's... Scottish? Irish? Scottish? Scottish. I think, <laughs> I think I she's Scottish. Remember. She's actually English. Maisie Williams is English. Yes. Um, but Rain is Scottish, and Rain is one of the few characters in this movie who I think you really feel connected to, mm-hmm. and that's due in large part to Maisie Williams' superior acting ability. If you watch Game of Thrones, you'll be right at home. She's She brings all of that acting prowess and that um, relatability, it, it comes in this movie and it works really well. Um, she's really just, she keeps it simple. But, it, I mean, when I say that, I mean she doesn't do more with the character than needs to be done. She uh-huh. does. She plays the character really well. She builds a character basically on her own. I mean, yeah. she's like just sat there with like, here's what your character is now. Go create it. That's kind of how everybody is in this movie. They have to like, use monologues and, you know, emotion to sort of create a character. And Maisie Williams is the one that pulls it off in this movie, I think, above all else. Um, To be frank, she's the one that I thought would be good going into this movie because she just can hang. She's a great actor. And she was the one that did. So I think that she carried. I think she carried the cast. She was clearly the best. And that's why I'm giving her my Oscar. Beautiful. Your Oscar. Yes, my Oscar. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I could see you like <laughs> at the acceptance speech podium like, and this goes to you. It's mine, but it's you can mine, have it. You can have it, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that um, it's it's also a testament to her acting skills because of all of the cast of characters in this film, she had the worst ability, the worst superpower yeah, in my opinion. True. Like, oh, I can turn into a wolf. Not like a super-powered wolf, but just like a wolf. Straight up a wolf. Like, okay. Not like a big wolf or like a mystical wolf. Like, just a wolf. Later on, she, like, literally smells, like, to track people. It's yeah. like, that's stupid. Like, other people can, like, light on fire, as you saw from the, <laughs> the trailer, like, the Human Torch. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I also picked Maisie Williams because being the the most compelling character with the stupidest power, like, you win. Yes. Um, also, I've never seen Game of Thrones. I knew she was she was in that show. Obviously, the world knows that she was in it, even if you haven't seen it. But I, I was like, oh, this is Game of Thrones, girl. She's going to shine. Yeah. And she did. Yeah, like, she definitely did. It, from, again, I, a lot of times I say beat one. It's because uh, for a character to capture me, and because when they do, you know they've done their, their job. They've yeah. done their homework. And she... 
she kind of kind of like uh, let's call it Aaron Burr syndrome. She talk less, smile more. Like she's still mysterious because you're like, oh, that's a real person. I can't. I don't know everything that's going on in her head, but she's telling me what I need to know at this moment. Whereas some actors will try to give you everything possible to make yes. it seem like they're the best actor in the world, and it really works against them. So seeing Maisie Williams up there do what she had to do and just deliver those lines uh, so perfectly, it's almost like she cut some of her monologues shorter than others and i think she did dude i i, I have to, i have to imagine that she took some liberties with the script yeah because the script <clears throat> was terrible <laughs> it was really bad and at times the dialogue was hard to listen to i could see her finishing a take and then be like oh you missed line blah blah, blah. And she's like no I'm no done. i didn't miss anything i actually read it exactly as i intended <laughs> thank you very much and you're welcome <laughs> Um, but yeah, that, what you were talking about there is what I was trying to convey, though I wasn't as eloquent. When, no, when no, I no. said she's keeping it simple, that's what I meant. Like, she is doing exactly what you said, not giving too much, not throwing out all these tricks, but just like working with what she has and mm-hmm. telling a story the way that she she needs to in order yeah. for it to be successful. And she did a great job. You said that, and it was perfect, Kim. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, scene stealer. I'm going with. Anya Taylor-Joy, who played Ileana Rasputin. The char- her superhero name's Magic. Um, she's an up-and-coming actor. She's mm-hmm. she's someone who's on the rise. She really was a scene-stealer for me. This was my first time really getting to see her in a role where she had a lot of speaking parts and, and, a, and a big role to play. Um, also a tough one, tough character to play because – She's like the mean girl and she's got like all these issues, but there's reasons for all of her issues. And you kind of like unlayer that onion as you go through the movie and the writing for her was particularly bad and she fought through it there. I mean, (laughs) there were times. Okay. So not, not trying to spoil anything. There is, as with many superhero movies, a large battle at the end. What? Yes, that's right. Big spoiler alert. I know large battle at the end. During said battle, she gets like knocked down, knocked out like three times, and each time she comes back with the worst one-liner you've ever heard, like "Hey, fur brain," <laughs> you know, stuff like that, and it's just like, oh, it just hurts so hard. And so the writing for her was just really not good. Um, but all that said, she did a great job with what she had, and. She ha- had really good emotional dynamics, and I think there's a reason that she's getting cast in a bunch of upcoming projects. I think she r- is really gifted. So uh, she was given a stack deck and yeah. um, did what she did the most with it for sure. Yeah, I did not pick her, but she is such an interesting actor because okay, so my first introduction to her was in the movie Split with yep. by M Night Shyamalan, yeah. which. Split is not that bad of a movie. People like dog on it. No, it's not. I, f- I think it's like a seven point five, honestly. Yeah, uh, Colonel. So, but she has such an interesting look to her. On top of her talent, she looks like the physical reality of a Disney princess because her eyes are a little bit farther apart. Yeah, like not like a scarier or or, or like weird medical condition. Like her eyes are just physically farther apart, mm-hmm. and they're they're a little bit taller. So she looks like a Disney princess in the face, in the shape of her face, and then she has all of this um all of this skill that she's just throwing left and right out there but not too much you know again she's yeah. she controls it well so excellent choice I, I think she's great um i 
I wanted her to be my scene stealer, but I re- but going back to like the definition of scene stealer, I really th- uh, was surprised by the performance of this guy Henry Zaga. Um, he plays like kind of like the bad boy. Heart- oh, Roberto. Yeah, Roberto, yeah, yeah. yeah. Heartthrob. He's the human torch in this. Like he's not actually the human torch, but he lights yeah, on what's fire. That, like, sunspot. That's sunspot. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. He um he surprised me because when sometimes when you have too pretty of people. It's like they can't do it. Like they're just really pretty, you know, Um, even like if you think of like the prettiest superstars, if you really look at them for just a little bit longer, you're like, oh, well, yeah, they're attractive. But hold on. Like Tom Cruise's face is not symmetrical, like but he's an incredibly handsome man and an incredible actor. That's what I thought going going into this movie. Henry Zaga would just be a dud. And he really surprised me with his restraint in different moments of the movie script writing for him also awful yes awful awful so awful bad. there were so many opportunities that they could have like really made him a home run um, but i thought he did a great job yeah very good call charlie heaton the one who gets left out in the cold on this yeah. one I, mean, I like charlie heaton a lot he had a very questionable kentucky accent <laughs> in this movie i don't know what was going on there it was sort of coming and going it was way over the top it was like Boomhauer from king of the hill it was insane um he's a good actor so i i mean no no dogging on him at all just i don't know if the director wasn't getting the best cuts or or what was going on you know maybe a few extra takes i don't know it it, it was a bit of a mess there was this filmed before he was in stranger things yeah and he really got to work with some incredible directors and writers and it's the, hard to know and he's a know. british actor who was trying to do like a deep southern really deep like weird dialect of accent it's got to be tough i can only imagine yeah um so it, it just it didn't work no and and that's okay you know move on to the next one every actor is going to have bad movies so be it okay showstopper this is an easy pick for me. I thought the special effects were actually very good. Um, they had two years to perfect them, so <laughs> they better have been good because <laughs> that's something you can do during a pandemic. It's something that you can do during reshoots. Yep. Um, and I thought that they were honestly very solid. I thought all of the superhero effects looked pretty good. There were times where it wasn't like the best, but there were times that it was really good. There were times that it was like world-class. And so whenever I look at this movie... Um, that was the thing that stuck out to me where I was like, ah, you know, spoiler alert, not a great movie, but <laughs> this, uh, you know, at times it looked really good. Uh-huh. So I'll, I'll give him that. That's my showstopper. Yeah. I remember when we sat down in the theater, it makes me laugh right now, uh, because I turned to you and I said, Cameron, what if the CGI is like frozen in time, like back from 2018? What if it's the 2018 <laughs> yeah. CGI? And it wasn't. It was not. Yeah. I also picked CGI because I was quite impressed with it, with the different, uh, all the different variety of powers that they had to convey via via CGI. We just bashed CGI earlier about DC's issues with it. And this was like a nice touch. It was relevant. It wasn't over the top. Right. It was executed well. Uh, except for the villain, the main villain, <laughs> the, you know, yeah, <laughs> that one is not was not done well. But yeah, for the most no. part, the CGI definitely wins Showstopper in my book too. Yeah, like done well technically, like the the main yeah. villain was done well technically, but the feel of it was very odd for the movie. Let's that, call it the design choice. Yeah, itself, perhaps yeah. the texture. Yeah, it just the texture. It didn't quite work uh, within the scope of the movie. So you'll know you'll know what we're talking about when you see the movie. Um, director shoes. 
Where <laughs> where to begin, Kirk? I mean, it, it for me it begins and ends with the screenplay. I mean, I think that the I think the director Josh Boone um you know, didn't have a high budget to work with. Um this was a movie that was kind of like the, you know, forgive the expression, but like the redheaded stepchild of Fox Studios. I yeah. mean, nobody gave it love and care and attention, and I think it needed that to be successful. Um, so I, I, I have no doubt that Josh Boone was not in a great position from the get-go. But man, I mean, the the screenplay is rough. The dialogue is really hard. Um, there are some really questionable acting choices and some and some pretty poor performances. I forgot to mention Blue Hunt, who plays Danny earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to dog on any actors, but there are some rough performances in this movie. And for characters who get tons of screen time, there's some rough performances. The, you know, I'm just going to kind of rattle off a bunch of things that I noticed that I didn't really <laughs> particularly like. The movie is is way too small in scale. The stakes are way too low. I mean, they're in this one place the whole time. You have no idea. Like, so let's say they get out mm-hmm. of this mental institution where all these bad things are happening. You have no real feel for like what's next. You know, I mean, our main character's whole family is dead. Mm-hmm. So like if she dies, sorry, but who cares? I mean, <laughs> we have no reason to care about that. Like, the stakes are low. The It's all in one place. It just, it's 96 minutes long. And by the end of it, you're like, well, that was a whole bag of nothing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I just, it, it's really just kind of a nothing movie. There's yeah. just not much there. Substantial. I, I agree with all of that. Um, a couple of things that, that I want to say are that, you know, they wake up in this mental hospital and they're all kind of okay with like living there. Yeah, um, it's not like I don't know, like your hospital that was built like two years ago. It, this hospital was built in the 18th century, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty outdated. If I woke up in that place, I would never feel comfortable. I would constantly be trying to kill my captor. Um, I just, I don't understand that aspect to it. It was terrible, terribly written as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie should have worked. I think that it was a really good idea. Yeah, it was right. Superheroes in a horror setting. Yes. I think that's brilliant. So the fact that they couldn't connect all the dots honestly makes me kind of mad because, yeah, sure. you know, I'm not like an avid, like I'm going to go like watch all the horror movies. In fact, a lot of the time I'm like, Oh, man, that's a little too much for me. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I don't like it. It's <laughs> uh, hard. Like Saint Maud. Like, no, I'm not going to see that movie. But I, it, it, in all regards, on paper, this should have worked. And in all regards, if if I were to look at this screenplay today and read it aloud, I'm sure I would laugh and just throw it back at the screenwriters, the team, and be like, guys, come on. Yeah. You can do better. Yep. Yeah, I agree. So let's move into final thoughts. I think for me... I, so the, the redeeming thing about this movie, I would say is just that it is not a hard watch. Like it, there are some parts that are a little bit campy, uh, a little bit cringy, whatever, but like overall it's not a painful movie to watch. It's not too long. It's, it's really, it's really short. Mm-hmm. actually I got home two hours from when I left <laughs> and I was like, huh, what, how is that even possible? <laughs> so, I mean, it's not tough to watch. Uh, you get some decent performances, like I said, from from our acting choices. You get some cool character designs a, a little bit, um, but not much more than that. So for me, this movie is a 3.5 out of 10. Um, let's just say I could have gone lower. 
<laughs> I I chose not to because I I I I didn't hate my time watching this movie. It's just it could have been a lot better. So for yeah. me it's a 3.5 and that's sort of where I'll leave it. Yeah, this movie is like um Dawson's Creek meets Slenderman. <laughs> what? <laughs> I say Slenderman specifically. Oh yeah, because the smiley guy. There's this character, the smiley guy. He's also in the trailer. Horrifying. But execution of him, uh, like actually like making me scared. He legit of him in the movie, is the Slender Man. He, I, he is, but then he, he has teeth, and it's like, yeah, that's scary. But why am I not more scared? They like introduce him. Spoiler alert! Like, I don't know, twenty minutes before the movie's over with, and it's like, dude, this should have been a theme like from the get go. Like yeah. as soon as we got to the hospital. Well, and because, we're scaredy cats. We've established that. Yes. And I wasn't scared at any point during this movie. No, I was not like, even a little bit. I was like creeped out i was like ooh, that's that's kind of yeah that's kind of uh, i wouldn't want to be in that situation but not like oh my gosh i'm going to die in this theater because that's how i f- how much i'm sucked into it right so yeah and so when i compare it to dawson's creek because there's all these little love romances going around which i love romance but it just wasn't done well i mean when you put that against um uh who are the actors james vanderbeek and joshua jackson and 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 what are all the girls katie holmes and michelle williams you you have that kind of acting caliber versus yeah. these guys, it's like, well, that's a letdown. Yeah. It could have worked. It mm. could have worked. And that's why it's so sad. It makes me a little bit angrier than you. Gave it a 2.5. Yeah. Girls. I can, I could see that. I mean, I think, I think that makes sense. Um, that's our review. That's our review of the new mutants. Our recommendation is always that you check it out again. Not, not a tough movie to watch. I think there will be plenty of people that watch this movie and are like, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, maybe even has some rewatchability. I don't know. To each their own. I mean, that's that's the name of the game. It's that's all right. it's all subjective. Um, funny little nugget about this movie, because I'm trying to figure out why they even released this thing and didn't just trash it. And yeah. I still can't figure it out, Kirk. So the budget of this movie was sixty seven million dollars, which is extraordinarily low. Um, to put that into perspective, the executive producer on the movie said they could have filmed the entire movie, got it ready for distribution thrown it directly in the trash and started over and it still would have been the cheapest X-Men movie <laughs> by a lot. <laughs> so this was a very low budget superhero movie, all things considered. But you know it's not going to be profitable. It can't. It, it made $7 million this weekend, which <sighs> is tough. It's a freaking pandemic. It's not going to make a bunch. It's no. just not. And so I'm like, they might take a loss on this. Why? If you're going to take a bath anyway... Just trash it. Don't even pay for the distribution. Yeah, costs. that's what I don't. That's what I'm trying to understand. Like, and and why you know for Disney this is a Marvel property. Why do they want that anywhere near their the rest of their great Marvel content? I'd be like, uh, uh-uh, uh, nope, we don't want that anywhere near us. There's some sort of promise or relative <laughs> that they're like, all right, we got our little. Yeah, there's out something there. going on there. But anyway. Uh, it's out in theaters. If you decide to brave it, you can go see that one, or you can do like uh, Kirk and I are about to do and go see Tenet. Like I said, we got to go. I know we got to run. <laughs> um, no schoolyard pick this week. Um, so we're going to wrap up the show. A couple of um, housekeeping things. We are going to try to get our first interview scheduled. We got some exciting things going on there. Uh, we still have t-shirts for sale. $18 a piece, please uh, Venmo or whatever. Reach out to us and we'll figure out how you can, get us money and we can ship it to you other than that i've not got much we're gonna let you go thank you as always to our executive producer ryan spriggs and of course our original music 
is by the band Rhetoric. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever else you find music. We will talk to you guys next week. Bye.